You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM LP, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl, Yasmin Yazzie Speaks Arrington, host of Millennial Minds. Thanks for joining us this evening. Today we have a special guest. His name is Mr. Torn L. Cooper. Mr. Cooper currently works as a pre-kindergarten co-teacher at Turner Elementary School. He completed the Empowering Males of Color Leading Men Fellowship Program in June of 2017. As a budding educator, minister, and community leader, Torn lives out his life's mission of providing service to humanity through leading souls to Christ and empowering individuals to live their best lives. Welcome, Torn. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your recent feature on WAMU. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Yes, definitely. The story is entitled, Why Some of D.C.'s Leading Men of Color Are are Heading Back to Preschool. And in the um, article, it says that you're the only male of color working directly in the classroom, or at least at Turner. Yes, that was true. But now this year... Um, our principal hired um, two more gentlemen to work. One works in kindergarten, who is also my mentor, and another brother works in third grade, third grade math teacher. Oh, great. Wonderful. Yep. Well, Torin, tell us tell us more about, um, you know, what you do, where you are in your career now, um, and why you're passionate about education and educating inner city youth. So I work as a, a pre-kindergarten pre-kindergarten. Um, mixed age, three and four year old uh, co-teacher um, in a learning lab. Uh, but I'm passionate about education because I know education is a key to success. It's not the only key, but it's a very strong key. Um, and it links you to to plenty of opportunities for mm-hmm. uh, for wealth, um, for health, and for just a sound mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some places your education can take you that, you know, your reputation can't, you know? Wow. So I know a lot oh, of I jobs. I like that. Yeah, a lot of jobs and um. Um, things they look at your resume to say where have you been even mm-hmm. if they don't really count it as much um, as far as like your experience goes but they do say you have to have an education and when you make um, have an education you can get a good job and when you have a good job you can make good money you can live where you want to live you can buy um, the foods that you want to that you should buy um, to keep you healthy you can go places that you've never been before get exposure to things um, outside of your community and I know because all of these things were provided to me because of my education and I know how powerful that is mm-hmm. so I want to see um, our students um, in the same community where I grew up um, to see that same kind of power in education and um, I just live for those moments where the light bulb just goes off after weeks and weeks and weeks of mm-hmm. you know implementing these new strategies and um, these new plans and everything and they finally get it and it's like and you just see it in their eyes (laughs) Uh and they just love it and then you just cherish that moment so that's what I live for. Wow spoken as a true educator Uh, where do you get your passion for education in addition to your experiences Mm -hmm. but you know was it was there someone in particular in your life that you know sparked your passion for education or where, where does that derive from? Uh, so my mom um, was an educator. Um, my sister is an educator, and we've all—they've always like worked with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a child, my mom would have all the kids from the school 
over a house. Um, I didn't like it because they were in my space. They like they took my mom, you know, all of her our attention away from us, as it would seem. Um, but I saw her passion to see kids live as their best selves. So if it was, you know, buying them school supplies or buying them clothes or giving them food or just giving them a hug, I saw how it made the kids feel and how important that was for her to see them um, be successful. So I guess that kind of like replayed in my mind subconsciously, but it wasn't until I took the fellowship that I was able to see how powerful education can really be. Mm -hmm. Um, And considering the literacy gap and achievement gap um, for our students of color, it's more more specifically our males of color, and being someone who has um, um, an advanced degree, if you will, working on my advanced degree, I couldn't not in a good, good, good mind continue my education um, without doing something about the, the education of those who are coming behind me. Mm-hmm. So um, one day I was just reflecting on what can I do to um, help those get to where I am and get further than when I am where I am. Um, so I um, volunteered with an organization called Reading Partners for a semester at J.C. Knoll Elementary School. Okay. And then I'm- Is it in D.C.? Yep, in Southeast D.C. Okay. So, and after that semester, I saw, in just a short amount of time I spent with the young brother, I saw how he was able to grow um, just by implementing those research-based interventions and stuff. Um, And and it worked. So I continued to do that through the Liederman Fellowship Program. Mm -hmm. And to know that if you you really put in the time and the effort- um, the love and compassion and empathy into education, our students can learn. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, it's some some schools or some students have been given um, an unfair share um, when it comes to their education, resources, opportunities, and things like that. But if you give them all of those things, they can be successful. They can compete with all the students across the world. I believe it, and I want to see them do that. So that's why I teach. Wow. Wow, Tim Morgan. Mm-hmm. Just shut it all down. (laughs) That's a very exciting, um, you know, education is also near and dear to my heart, as Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I I really I admire you um, for for your passion and for being willing and having the desire to give back and Mm -hmm. to feed into your community and to, you know, feed into and sow positive seeds into the, the young Young, young boys and girls, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially in in this area, mm-hmm. you know, since we both grew up here, um, so it's really I'm really excited for you and, and for your journey and where yeah. you've where you've been and and where you're going as well. So now yeah. you're a full time. So you, so you did the fellowship. Yep. Um, the men has it men leading leading men fellowship leading men fellowship yep. for a year. Yes. At Turner. Yep. Turner Elementary School, and now you're full-time staff, right, yep. at Turner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, so, Torin, I ask all my guests, um, how do you define a millennial? Hmm. I think uh, millennials are, uh, for first by age, I would say millennials now are at least um, 21 to like maybe 30 35 or so okay okay that's not that's about right mm-hmm. and millennials are people who are very very like 
into technology. Even some aren't into technology, but having the ability to just pick up a cell phone and being able to operate it and get those things um, quickly, they're definitely a millennial. Now, there are some kids in my class who can do the same thing, um, <laughs> some pre-K kids um, right. who can do the same thing, but I wouldn't qualify them as millennials. Right, but they're in a different, who, you different know, generation. Yeah, grew up in um, mm. the late, late 90s, late 80s, early 90s to mid 90s, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how do you think that millennials can contribute to society, you know, today and even in the long term? I think a lot of my millennial friends and millennial people I know are very passionate about whatever it is. Like everybody's doing something, um, something that they're passionate about. So I think millennials can just bring their passion and their love and their drive and their imagination um to whatever they do um, in society, whether it's with um, in education, if it's in radio, it's in TV, if it's in fashion, if it's in politics, if it's in um, you know health and beauty, whatever it is, I think millennials just have that drive mm-hmm. um, and that passion to do what it is, do what it is that they want to do. Um, I think we're in a time where with technology being so um, available to us, we can do a lot of things, and not just. Um, believe that we can bring um, new and innovative ideas to whatever we do. Um, we're dreamers. We're um, we're passionate. We're um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, optimistic. Um, so I think that's what we can bring to whatever it is we do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, you mentioned dreamers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what you think or or how you feel about um, the recent decision from President Trump as far as the um, DACA is -hmm. concerned. I'm saying that correctly, right? Yeah. Yeah, DACA um, for, you know, to retract or withdraw the protections for, um, for, I'll I'll call them youth or, you know, people who their parents came as immigrants to the country Mm -hmm. and were undocumented. But these young people have now grown up in the country and they, they've gone to schools with us mm-hmm. and they pay their taxes and a lot of them are in the armed forces and the military. And so now we're talking about the potential of deporting maybe mm-hmm. h- hundreds, thousands uh, of people. But I'm just wondering, you know, since we're talking about education and millennials and being dreamers, right? Like all of these positive assets mm-hmm. that we bring to society, like what 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 does that mean? What does that look like if this is to actually come to fruition? Mm-hmm. I, I saw a post on, I think, like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, someone had basically said, um, uh, this affects me. Um, I can possibly be sent back to a place that I've never been before right. simply because of this is my like my race or my um, ethnicity. Um, so I think I think it's terrible. Um, like you said, they're they're American. They've been here. Right. They go to school here. They pay taxes here. They go to church here. Um, they do everything here. America is what they know. And I think um, when we were in school, or at least when I was in school, um, we did paint America to be this place, this wonderful place that everybody wants to go to and can come and can come to um, to have a better life. Um, so why is it that we have to send some people back? Um, essentially, everybody who isn't Native American is an immigrant of some type of some kind. Um, so I think that for for them to be deported back to or not even back to be deported somewhere that they've never been before is simply on. Um, 
um, unhuman. I think it's, mm. um, I think it's crazy. I think it's uh, impossible uh, for society to be in a place where it's seemingly progressive. Right. I know that there is a right. lot of um, work that we have to do as a people, uh, as a race of people, as a generation of people, mm-hmm. um, just as a com- country simply, um, as far as like race issues go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that for that to happen, if it really does happen, that will set America back um, a couple hundred thousand billion, quadrillion, zillion <laughs> years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're dreamers. I think this is the place. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't, I think that's like a, a, a double standard to say, hey, like America is a place to be and you don't allow certain people to come here simply because of where they're from or where their grandparents may mm-hmm. be from. Um, I think um, more millennials should be aware of it um, because... Um, it affects the people around them even if it doesn't affect them directly mm-hmm. um, it still affects them and then they should be aware that this is happening mm-hmm. yeah um so i'm curious also about some other aspects of your life mm-hmm. so you are a producer and a writer yeah, for a local television <laughs> show mm-hmm. which i am on <laughs> <laughs> um i wish you knew tell us tell us how you found out about the office, uh, the D.C. office of cable television, film, music and entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, how you came up with the idea for the show and just like what that whole process was like Mm -hmm. and, you know, what what's going on now. And all right. Long and hard process. Um, I'll make this long story short because it's a long story and I have a lot of details (laughs) about this. Um, They had a show they were producing. They called the, oh, it's like an opinion show, like Mm -hmm. a panel show Mm -hmm. for people to come and discuss, give their opinions on a range of different topics. So one day I thought to myself, like, this is a good show, but let's do like a a youth version of it. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't really like the term youth because, you know. Uh, it makes them feel old. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Basically, so Miss um, <laughs> Karen was like, Miss um, Karen, she was like, uh, "Hey, Miss Miss Brenda, Miss Karen, Ms. Karen hey, Miss hey, Brenda, <laughs> Maurice, how you doing? How you doing?" Miss <laughs> so Karen was like, oh, "Mr. Eugene, Miss Miss Brenda knows this word, like this term." Um, and then she called her in and she's like, yeah, they call it millennials. And I think this might be the first time <laughs> I heard this word before. Who said that? She's like, just do some research on this or whatever. And I did it. And, um, so I brought some millennials from, um, uh, like different networks of people that I knew, people, Miss Brenda knew, Miss Karen knew. And we did the, the, oh, the millennial version. So we had the millennials come in and do a millennial cool. version of it. Oh, okay. And then it turns into two episodes and then we did an intergenerational panel, um, oh. Just to get different perspectives, and um, they liked it, so I pitched another show, a completely different show, um, had the same kind of feel to it. Um, so that's how I got the idea for "I Wish You Knew." Mm-hmm. Uh, so we put that together, uh, and we 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 shot three seasons of it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but "I Wish You Knew" is just like the O, um, but it's the millennial version, <laughs> millennial right. version of it almost. Yeah. Um, so we just talk about everything we wish millennials knew, everything we wish. People in other generations knew just about basic things like um, what do you think about what we wish you knew about DACA, about education, about um, mm. social media, about mm. fashion, about voting, um, entertainment, voting, like everything we wish they knew. I think millennials have um, a voice that we wish people heard. You know, I think we grew up in a time where we were supposed to be seen and not heard. Um, but I think millennials are very powerful. Their voices are very colorful. We have these different opinions 
uh, and very, uh, very educated, I would say. Um, so bringing people from different backgrounds and put them on this one show, you bring all of these millennial minds together <laughs> to really like bring about something great. Exactly. And um, so that's what we do on the talk show. We talk about any and everything. Um, we have a good time. And um, my goal as a producer was to put put people on. I've kind of I never wanted to be in front of the camera or behind the mic, if you will. Um, but I know so many talented people, and I thought to myself, I think to myself all the time that all they need is just an opportunity to just have a platform to just do whatever it is they want to do. If they want to sing, if they want to act, if they want to write. Um, if I had an opportunity, I would give them their opportunity to do so as like a launch pad to do whatever they want to do. So I, I get great joy out of um, producing the show and inviting people to come on there to get exposure mm-hmm. in TV. They get hair and makeup. They get oh, it's of, great. I love it. Oh, goodness, <laughs> I love it. A, it's great. Yeah, in front of a camera. <laughs> they have something they can walk away with mm-hmm. and take the people to say, hey, yeah, like um, this is what I did. Like look at me. They have pictures and stuff too, so it's really cool to see people shine. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do: help people shine. You know, well, well, on behalf of myself <laughs> and cameras and cast, because mm-hmm. we're not <laughs> we're not acting, um, but you know, on behalf of myself and all of the other millennials on the show, you know, I want to say thank you to you and Miss Brenda mm-hmm. and Miss um, Karen and everyone you know who approved the show and for you for writing the scripts and you know taking so much time to come up with the topics mm-hmm. that that we discuss um, from week to week. It's really at least for me, I can definitely say it's been a very enriching experience. Yeah. Um, it's been eye-opening into the industry, um, and I just think it's phenomenal. It's, it's really phenomenal um, yeah. because even though there's still a lot of room um, for improvement in different aspects of our um, media mm-hmm. for that millennial voice, yeah. you know, it's it's starting, we're starting to, to come of our own, but mm-hmm. it's still... You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's not really there. Yeah. And so to have this platform in D.C. on a local show, mm-hmm. you know, that's huge. Yeah, and that's what I really loved about the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment. And they were very, very um, instrumental in helping me be the producer that I am today, the writer I am, um, the host I am, if you will. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> all of those things, and everybody played a, a part in that. So shout out to OCT FME. Um, it's Brenda Mallory. Shout out to my man Nick, uh, Eugene, hey. everybody over there, John, <laughs> um, Miss Karen, um, director Angie Gates, um, Eric. All of them guys are amazing. Yes, they are. Did I say Maurice? Shout out to you, Maurice. If you're listening. <laughs> you know he's gonna <laughs> and get Muhammad you. And um, all of uh, Mr. Furman, Patterson, everybody um, that I met there. So many people. That's the whole there. staff, ain't it? Yeah, everybody there just and I but love that's them great. all. Oh yes, that, it's so. a it's an amazing um, environment and the vibes are great. Mm. Um, so. I, you know, I this is good. I want to know more. Um, so you're at the Howard University School of Divinity. Yes. And uh, tell me how that experience has been for you. And you, you are so busy. I don't know how you do it all. <laughs> Guys, Torn is also, like, he also records, like, records videos of of our services and takes pictures as a photographer mm-hmm. and writes for um what is it the daily word the weekly word oh the weekly word yeah. <laughs> which is a newsletter you yeah. put that out like every week yeah <laughs> and you produce a show and you're a teacher like yeah. do you sleep <laughs> listen 
You gotta learn to sleep and with your eyes open. And you have to go open. to class. <laughs> sleep with your eyes open. So yeah. tell us, you know, how has your experience been at, at the School of Divinity? Uh, it's been a wild ride. I think that's where I really learned to know more about myself. Um, this an, It was an inward journey for me. It is an inward journey for me. Um, when I graduated from undergrad, I was kind of like, God, like, where is it that you want me to go? What is it that you want me to do? And that summer of 2014, I really started to do the, the work of searching inward. And that's when I was led to apply to Howard Divinity that fall. And then spring of 2015 is when I started at Divinity School. Um, but uh, there's a lot of questions that I had about my faith, about religion, about spirituality, about, you know, everything. And I was able to, am able to get a little bit more clarity on it. I don't think I would ever fully understand those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think because, anyone's ever will, probably. Right. So it's, think, a, it's, all, it's a constant journey. Yeah, yeah, a constant journey. And I think mm-hmm. that God is a mystery um, and, and some uh, let me put that in context. God, <laughs> some things are just uh, left up to the mystery of God, mm-hmm. um, and it's just us for for us to search after to continue continually to, you know, uh, long for you know. But I think that journey has helped me to really understand what it is that God has me for me to do, mm-hmm. and from that experience of you know being in a classroom where you're hearing about you know justice and equity and uh, uh, giving community and you know heritage and what's important to you as a person has led me to really do the work that I do in the community. And, um, yeah, I just sleep whenever I have time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mess with you. I, I'm pretty sure you get sleep, but hopefully. And also, you are, you recently joined a fraternity. Yes, Phi Beta Sigma Incorporated. Phi Beta Sigma, all I see is blue and white. Blue five. Yeah, so just quickly tell us, you know, how, how, how or when did you decide that you wanted to join a fraternity, um, which is a historically African-American mm-hmm. black um, fraternity in the Divine Nine, mm-hmm. um, and how that experience has been for you thus far? Uh, I've, I've kind of always wanted to join a fraternity. Um, since since when? Since undergrad. Um, okay. But I never really knew the, the purpose or um, had an understanding of um, my place in the fraternity or what that would mean to me as a as a man. Um, when I graduated from undergrad and I came back to D.C., um, my mind is that, and still is, that I want to change the world. Um, but I can't do it by myself, so I wanted to join a group of um, men who um, have already changed the world and are mm-hmm. still changing the world. Um, and just to be a part of a team that was doing the work right here in Washington, D.C., um, so I was able to get connected with the Alpha Sigma chapter, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first graduate chapter of Phi Beta Sigma for All right, history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and was, those guys are doing amazing things within um, Washington, D.C. and the DMV. Um, so shout out to them. Um, but I wanted to be a part of a team, be a part of a, a group of men um, for fellowship and for brotherhood and um, for for motivation and for passion. Um, to push me towards um, doing it, what it, whatever it is I set my set my mind to, mm-hmm. and also to find a group of people that I can give a lot to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been fun, a lot of you know fun times and a lot of work too. But I'm very grateful to be connected to a group of men who are really dedicated to um, culture for service and service for humanity. So yeah. service for all people, you know. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to join an organization that was that was embedded in their their um, their heritage and their history. Um, people who are really committed to doing the work, uh, the service work, the advocacy within the community. Mm-hmm. And I found those brothers in Phi Beta Sigma. Wow. That's really powerful. 
That's really, really powerful. You, you've dropped lots of nuggets of wisdom throughout this, um, throughout our talk. I try, I try. So, <laughs> you do, you do. Uh, so if you could just, you know, as we bring our initial this conversation to a close, um, what is some, what is one piece of one or two pieces of advice that you have for millennials um and also and even you know other generations in terms of how they can interact with millennials Mm -hmm. so my first piece of advice would be to um uh, find your passion and find yourself um and chase after whatever that is and whatever it is you desire to do you can do it like we're young i mean for those who may be a little bit older you're still young so you can do whatever it is that you want to do um don't let any opportunity pass you by, whatever it is. Uh, undergrad, our, um, I guess our motto was seize the opportunity, and I've carried that um, subconsciously um, throughout my undergraduate career. And even now, like every opportunity that I have that I would think that will contribute to my passion, add fuel to the fire, uh, I jump on it, and every opportunity has led me to an even greater opportunity. Here I am with you, Millennial Minds. No. Um, and that's <laughs> from our connection from school right. and from I Wish You Knew right. and from our you know fraternity, sorority. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things have led to this moment, and it's all because I said yes to one opportunity and it led to something else, and it just snowballed. Um, so whatever it is, you can do it. Like I want people to know, like you can do it. Like the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like Amen. you can't really do it, but you have to put your mind to it first. Um, and the second piece of advice is like there's work to it. Um, yes, there will be some days where you feel like, oh, this isn't it, or just some days that you feel like you just want to walk out. Um, some days you just want to quit and give up. Um, there are hard days in life. You know, like, yeah. I don't think people would say that enough. Like, you will mm-hmm. have bad days. Yeah. You will wow. have hard times. You will go through the valleys of the shadow of death. You know, but mm. fear no evil, for God is with you, you know. Yes. I mean, that's, that's, Come not, on, that's scripture, you know, but that's on, also preacher. truth. That's Bible. Right. That's that, Bible. And, that, and, and that's truth. <laughs> um, but there yep, will be truth. bad days. So don't think that the world is every single day is going to be a great day. Um, there's going to be bad days, but when you have those bad days, just remember why you start and don't give up and don't quit. Mm. Um, that's something I tell myself every day when I want to sleep more, if I want to do yes. more things Oof. instead of like work and I got to read. I'm like, no, like I want to go out. But I realized like um, there are sacrifices you, ha- you have to make. Like it's a grind like, to get to where you want to be. Um, but don't give up. Like don't give up. I promise you. Set mm-hmm. small goals and start there. And once you start achieving those, make some bigger goals and reach them. Um, and that'll fuel you um, to do more things. Um, but yeah, just never give up after one bad day. You got to learn mm-hmm. to rest and not quit. Mm-hmm. And that has kept me thinking that has kept me throughout mm-hmm. my, you know, theological um, journey at Howard mm-hmm. throughout my career and everything else. So um, well, chase your passion and never give up. Well, thank you, Torin. All thank right. You for All me. right. Preacher, <laughs> preacher, teacher, frat, <laughs> producer, writer. You heard it here first, Mr. Torn L. Cooper. And if you could leave us, you know, let us know where we can find you on social media. I have a lot of different ones. <laughs> well, well, you can find me. W- you can search my name, Torn L. Cooper, on basically everything. You can find me. Google me, um, baby. <laughs> You, you can, can find me. me. Just type in my name. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> everything is just my name, so you can find me there. But I think on Twitter, I'm like TL, TL Cooper 22 um, you know, That's Instagram, TL Cooper 22 mm-hmm. um, You can find me on Instagram. From there, you can find me everywhere. 
Okay. Or T.L. Cooper, um, D.C. That's my professional one, right. if you will. <laughs> you can find me there, and I, everything is posted there. And on Facebook at Torrin Cooper. Cool beans, cool beans. Well, thank you so much, Torrin, and we hope me. to definitely we'll have you back again soon. Um, guys, this is Millennial Minds with your host, Yazzie Speaks. You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM LP, Arlington, Virginia. Until next time, peace. <laughs> <laughs>